yes, we are asking artists to pay us, right? Just flat out. And I don't have any reservations about that because you keep everything, right? You pay us, but then we use 75% of that budget towards your career. And then everything you make off of that, you own rather than a record label who gives you an advance and that's a loan. And then on top of the loan that you owe them back, you then give them ownership of your music for forever, mm-hmm. right? And so if you think about the trade-off, the trade-off is, yes, you give a little right now, but we're investing it into your business the right way. So I think about it as like an incubator program for artists, just yep. like you would for any kind of startup business. We're doing the same thing. We live in a world that's kind of crazy right now. Are you adding more to the system than taking from it? I wasn't willing to tell myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to make it work. Come to Austin, just do cool stuff. That's the cover charge. What's up, everyone? This is Nick Shank, host of the Cover Charge podcast. Our guest this episode is Cam Turney, a.k.a. Cam the Tastemaker. What's up, Cam? Thanks a lot for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Cam and I met early in, no, probably mid-2020. Mm-hmm. I was working to organize Third Lamar's Rooftop Live with Tony Stolfa, had a production at Third Lamar. We were trying to put the lineups together for, I think, our second and then our third show. And I quickly realized I was out of my depth, didn't have the relationships with the bands in Austin the way I knew other people did. And I was introduced to you through, I think, the manager for Kid Jones, a yeah. rapper in Austin. And immediately we hit it off. You helped us find some bands for our third, third Lamar's Rooftop Live. It was great to have those relationships, but I learned more about your business, and I thought you'd be a great guest to bring on the show to talk about rentarecordlabel.com, your nice. new business venture, sure. and then also just about the music community in general. I really appreciate that. I mean, that's exactly how it happened, and it was very fun, so I appreciate the Kid Jones manager for that, because that was a really good connection, and I think that we've done some really cool stuff since then, so thank you. But yeah, I mean, a little bit of what I do, I have started a thing, you know, again, I go by Can the Tastemaker, so I started Tastemaker Group, which is now going to be like a, a sonic branding company, is what I like to call it. And basically, we want to give the sound to whatever, an artist, brand, or event. And with that, the first of nine kind of solutions that we have under this group is um, rentarecordlabel.com. We're going to use that to help decentralize the music industry, basically giving creatives an ability and a place to grow and have a safe environment to be able to do what they love to do, which is just make music without having fear of anybody owning them. And that's kind of where the rent a record label comes from. Got it. So. Tastemaker Sound is like the parent company, mm-hmm. and Rent to Record Label is just one of the brands that's going to be under that parent company? That's correct. So Tastemaker Group is the corporation, and then Tastemaker Sounds is the record label, but Rent a Record Label is like the .com is basically the marketing. The DBA, the doing, yeah. yeah. The marketing of it is like, hey, this is how we do business as Tastemaker Sounds. We're not a normal record label. You can rent us. We'll get into Tastemaker Sounds and kind of the concept of record rentarecordlabel.com in a little bit. But first, Cam the Tastemaker, that moniker, what year did that begin and how did that start? Yeah, no, I I love that actually. And it's funny because I didn't give myself that name. It was literally something that came about because I guess about six years ago, I started Mixie. And what we did is every year we had a South By show. And from those shows, a lot of the headliners that I brought in, they blew up afterwards. They became nationally known. And so by the time I had them, no one knew them. But a year later, people realized like, wow, I can't believe you had these people on your show. With that being said, an 
actual manager that I worked with, he was like, dude, you're, you're like a tastemaker, man. You should like name yourself that you should just be like, I don't know, like can the tastemaker or like tastemaker cam or like he was just coming up with all this stuff. And I was like, that's weird, bro. I don't even know what that is. Like at the time, no one cared what tastemaker is now. Like even pizza Hut has a tastemaker campaign, <laughs> but it's like at the time I had to explain to people what it was like, are you, they were like, are you a chef? And I'm like, no, like I, I, I can help you know what's good before you maybe know what's good. You said you were booking these lines for South by Southwest shows. Mm-hmm. Later on, those bands would go out and become big names. Yeah. Can you list some of those bands? So Flip De Niro, who's now with Cinematic, he had a song, Leave Me Alone. That song he performed like twice at our show before it even popped up. And then we've had people like Ill Chris. We've had Dave East. We've had, you know, he wasn't performing, but T.I. showed up to our show. We had Trey. We've had... Man, I can just, it's just so many. JIDK was our very first headliner, actually, like seven years ago. And now he's huge. Uh, he was on the cover of Forbes. So yeah, it's just stuff like that, that really kind of paved the way for me. And so typically the genre that your specialty lies in is hip hop, R&B. Yeah. When we were throwing the shows at Mixie, that's what we were focused on for sure. And so I would say that is my specialty, but I am very open to a lot of other music. I love music. It's just that I see that there's an opportunity specifically for that group of individuals that maybe is not being seen for other people. Yeah. I mean, you told us about Dossie mm-hmm. and Urban Heat, bands that go far beyond those two genres. Sure. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're great. Too. And that's the thing, right? Like, I think good music definitely spans across genres, of course, right? But like, I am able to, even if it's not like my main thing, I'm able to see like, dude, this is good. You know, this is, this could be placed on whatever TV show or this could be, that's also kind of my thing as a tastemaker. Like, I just kind of, I can feel it. You yeah. Know? For sure. So growing up, you went to middle school, high school in Round Rock, played soccer. You ended up going to UNC Wilmington, playing yeah. college soccer. Yeah. You actually came back to Austin, played for the Austin Aztecs, yes, semi-pro yeah. soccer. That's a cool story in itself. I'm just imagining yeah. you as a kid being obsessed with soccer and music. Is that, that pretty much dominate your life? Everything, bro. I mean, it was even to the point, like, my soccer coach in college didn't really like that I was so involved with music. I literally made a song for my college before I even got there, and it was MySpace Day. So I put it on MySpace, and I sent it to everybody that had, was going to UNCW at the time. And so they put it on their MySpace page, and when I got there, the basketball team asked me to, like, perform at halftime shows the song, right? And I made a song for the school. My coach hated that shit, right? Hated. Oh, my cuss. My bad. <laughs> yeah, no, you can. you can. Go for it. But yeah, it was one of those things that like I was a freshman coming in and he just thought that, man, are you doing music or doing soccer? And I was like, I thought college was to figure out what I want to do, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is true. I went to that school specifically to chase a national championship. I put my music on the back burner because I, I could have went to like Belmont or like music schools. And I decided like I was just cocky and I was like, I won't even win a national championship. But it's, you know, that's what, that's what happened. Yeah. Cam, the Tastemaker Instagram, you have a series of videos explaining mm-hmm. kind of what a tastemaker is and your whole sort of business, your concept. And one of the Instagram posts I noticed, it said, from a young age, I knew I had a gift. Mm-hmm. And so even before you went to UNC Wilmington High School with people like, oh, dude, Cam's got the best mixtapes or like, yes. I got to get some music from Cam. Yes. How did that develop? Honestly, bro, it was just the fact that I hated hip hop at the time at the time when I was a kid in high school. Like I hated the music that was coming out. And I wanted to be the guy that's like, this isn't a terrible genre. Like this genre is actually real and I can give you good music that you'll like. So it's really one of those times where it's like and I say this on this video actually, is like I remember in school I was the first person to have a car in like my circle and all the guys would get into my car and I'd be like, What's going on with you today? How are you feeling? Whatever and I could put on a song right after they told me and it would just 
it would hit perfect for him, you know? And it'd be something I never heard before. It'd be an artist I never heard of before. So I remember the time when I, like, one of my friends, Jake Lloyd, who's huge right now in Austin, right? I remember the first time I let him listen to Drake in my car. He flipped, right? He's just like, who is this? I, I need to know what's going on. Like, I don't even listen to hip-hop anymore, but this guy's really this shit. And so, yeah, like, that that's something that I... I wish I would have tapped into back back then and just known that music and pointing people to things that they like is like literally my talent. Yeah. Everyone loves discovering new music. I'm obsessed with it. I just signed up for a Spotify premium subscription yep. this past summer. Before that, I know it's going to make me seem old as hell, but I was on Pandora a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, right. I still like Pandora. And actually I learned about more new music on Pandora than Spotify. It's I've true. learned Because Spotify, I like what I like. And then using their algorithm, you can like add new songs to your right. playlist. But like, I don't really find new music it's that way. It's not that great. It's not great for it. So like for people listening to this right now who they, they know what they like, but they want to discover new music. Sure. Like what's like a three-step guide for them to help them find new music? For Spotify specifically, it's the like the art artists that other fans like. I think it's at the bottom. It says something like that. So you can scroll to the bottom and just see like, okay, if I like this artist, what other people are people that like this artist listening to and so you might find it and that's the way i found the best discover on spotify but for anything else it's really going to be just like i go off of the people that you don't know their names on a major person's album you know so they might have somebody that's singing in the background they have it's like featuring this person right and you go find that person and you just realize that they're going to be the ones that are next up on Mm -hmm. something and then you can find great music just by seeing who's related to the people that you listen to. That's really how I how I find it. What about in Austin specifically? Because oh. you're, you're known to throw out playlists of just off, underground Austin artists. Yeah. So how's that happen? You just, from people in your network in Austin, they're like, hey, listen to this, listen to this? Yeah, suggestions. And then I, I actually just go out and look for it. Because again, I, I like to find new music. And so what I like to do is just follow everybody that I feel like I've liked their music before they had a song. And I just kind of keep up with it. So it's, it's really on that now that being said part of the ecosystem that we're building is hopefully an app that creates music discovery makes it a lot easier there are apps out there where there's music sharing but i don't know and this is just like a a foresight like i've often often wondered why pandora spotify and all these places don't use the information that's currently in your phone like the temperature or like your location or how fast you're moving or all these things that can determine what you might be listening to so if you know i go to the gym like you remind me that i go to the gym every morning at nine so that i need to i need to leave at a certain time well why when i get to the gym don't you turn on the certain music why do i have to go back to my phone Uh to then turn on the music that i listen to at the gym every day if you know i listen to the this music of the gym every day. So that's what I want to do is create an app that's like just uses the information that's there for you. Yeah. And then we suggest music. It's a tastemaker app. We suggest music to you. That's a good point. There's a guy I met in Austin not that long ago, played in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins as an offensive tackle. I think he played University of Miami too. His name's Jason Fox. He started an app called Earbuds. So I don't know if you heard of it. um, Genius. But yeah, basically for those of you listening who haven't heard of it, he saw Cam Newton playing for the Carolina Panthers, like bobbing his head in pregame warm-ups, listening to his headphones. He was like, I wonder what Cam's listening to right now. Like, how cool would it be if I could be a fan in the stands listening to exactly the same thing that Cam was listening to? And that kind of like became the Earbuds app here in Austin. So my question for you is, when you were playing mm-hmm. soccer in college, what was on your hype pregame playlist? Ooh, 
dang, bro. It's crazy. We actually had a lot of the stuff was stuff I found on FIFA, to be honest. It was more of like a mood thing. So, you know, although I was heavy in hip hop, I was listening to like, there's this song called like Dory May. I don't even know who it's by, but it felt like this like huge church song like Dory May. <laughs> Dory May. And it was just like this big buildup. I loved it. It just put me into the mood. So a lot of times it was more stuff that I think like gamers would listen to. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, even though that song specifically wasn't. But I, it was more hype stuff. So I couldn't even tell you like... I can't even tell you the name of the songs, man, honestly, okay. which is different now because I feel like now people just have the certain technology. But we like I wasn't able to listen to a headphone stuff for like in the locker room. Once we got on the field, we had to listen to what was on the stadium. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So what was the first concert you ever saw live? Up in Smoke, Snoop Dogg. Up in Smoke. I think it was, and think that's when the first time I saw Eminem, like the first time people saw Eminem live and knew who that was. Like he had brought, it was here in Austin at the Frank Irwin Center, and it was like an up and smoke tour. And Snoop was like, "Oh yeah, I got this, I got this kid," you know. And he came out and he started going crazy. And it was ended up being Eminem. That's crazy, dude. What's the band that you've seen most often live? I've seen actually, and it's funny as you said it because it has been a band. The people that I've seen most is like Florida Georgia Line, and it's probably because of like festival stuff. But it's not really a choice that I like yeah. directly. Went, but I've seen them a lot. Yeah, a lot of festivals. Okay, so let's get to rentarecordlabel.com. Yeah, it's, just explain like what's the problem that your product solves for with artists it. right now? Yeah, artists have no way to have a viable career outside of the music industry but there's a music business that's available right it's like there's a whole business that can be done but right now people chase the industry and they don't see between ground zero and record deal they don't see the in between there there's like millions of dollars you don't have to be drake you could make a lot of money and not be anywhere connected to the industry. So, so you're talking about like diversifying revenue streams? Legitimately, yeah. It's it's how I tell people it's like we decentralize kind of like Bitcoin, Airbnb, Uber, right? They exist outside of the market that they complement. So I've in this nine steps, we'll have a whole music industry outside of the one that everybody's chasing that allows people to live in this industry over here without it being something that's like some big dream thing. You can actually just be here and do exactly what artists do. And cause for example, like we give advancements, we do all the same things we do, but we do build your LLC, right? So like, you're not going to go to the label and they're not going to help you build a business, which is why you can't partner with them is because you're just a person and they're like, here, here's a million dollars. And you're like, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. But if you're a business and you have fans that you've built yourself, you have data, you have all this other stuff. It's a different conversation. But what I want to do is make it to where you don't have to have that conversation with them because you're making $20,000 a month because you have a thousand people. That's it. But if you get a thousand fans to pay you 10 to $20 a month, bro, you don't need, <laughs> yep. you don't need anybody. It's kind of funny you brought that up because um, I was listening to, you know, the How I Built This podcast mm -hmm. and Jack Conti, who's the CEO of Patreon, he started this band, Pamplemousse. And was just trying to figure out ways to make it sustainable. It. And a lot of people were doing like Kickstarter campaigns so that their fans could fund their albums. Right. And Jack was like, hey, if people just pay me 5 to $10 a month, I can make it happen. And, and obviously, Patreon's huge now. And I noticed that Bronze Whale, yep. another band you kind of introduced to me, Austin Electronic Band, they started a Patreon. Yeah. So that obviously, that's just one way bands can monetize their Correct. audiences. I guess, what are some other ways that yeah. just the average layperson may not even realize? Right now, everybody's wants to be on Spotify. They want to be on Pandora. They want to be on... But it's like, again, if you have maybe 500 people that'll pay you $5 for your album, put it on your website, let them buy it from you. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I tell people all the time. Like, so right now, 
there's this thing called single music, which is like it's a program that's built into Shopify that actually allows you to sell directly to your customer, but it's still verified by RIAA and Billboard. So it's just like if you sold it out of Best Buy, you know, but it's coming from your website on Shopify, but you get the whole, you get all of the money that you sold, that you sold it for. Mm-hmm. And then your your audience member just streams it or, or downloads it. So I think it's more of just B2C, just yep. creating directly to customer. Yeah, on a previous podcast, Adam Jones, he's the CEO of Holodeck Records. Oh. He's a member of the band Survive. I didn't know that. Yeah, he he was talking about the best way to support a band that you like is to buy their music off their Bandcamp page. Yes, sir. Do you think that's a good idea? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I use Bandcamp in our rollouts, basically. So, like, I'll say, you know, like we try to weed out the super fans, right? And so we'll put it on Bandcamp and see who buys it there, and then like we'll. We'll rev them up and be like, hey, here's a free song that didn't even come up out, like that didn't even come out or it's not going to come out ever. But because you bought it from Bandcamp, now you have this other song or you get this you know, percentage off on merch. And, the, and it came out a week before the song actually came out on Spotify. So yep. there's a lot of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of just funneling fans, man. Funneling yeah. them. So what's the strategy if somebody's got a lot of views on YouTube, they got a lot of views on Spotify, how can they use that to drive people to the actual channels where they can <laughs> make money? That's a great question. So I, I use those as... How I feel is you have to have their website. That's the number one, like, you have your home base. And then these things are just like your promoters, right? So they go out and do promoting for you to bring people back. So it's the bio. It's the content that you're bringing. It's the actual driving of people. So pixels. Pixels are huge, right? If you get the pixels out, then you can retarget these people. So it's things like that. It's literally like, I know artists don't want to hear this, but... You are a digital marketer who happens to be an artist. That's really what the world is right now. Okay, you have to learn how to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, you just have to find out. So if it's YouTube, it's like making sure your bio is right, making sure all of your social media is in the in the description of the video, and then, you know, making sure people get the notification, all the things that are right within that platform, and then having a pixel that then brings it back to your website. Same with Facebook, Instagram, all those other things as well. It's just, yeah. you should use them as promoters. Yeah, I'm glad you said that digital marketing piece. Because it is true, and I've thought about this. When we're putting on Third and Mars Rooftop Live, mm-hmm. we obviously book bands that we like. We Number one, we just like their music. Yeah, huge. But number two is like we need to monetize the Rooftop Live through either subscriptions or just eyeballs. Right. And so we're counting on these bands' fans to watch, to right. tune in, to subscribe. Right. And so like we're also paying these bands because we're counting on them to get their fans fired up for watching them and so it's like we can only do so much because we don't have that access to their fans sure third lamar exists for like one year right Right. and so yeah some bands get it more than others but it's it's like an education type thing yeah and so i can understand like you can take that off bands plates a lot if they work with you Yes, correct. That's what that's what we're hoping. Now that is th- there's a trade off to this, and I and I'm sure there's probably like questions about like well, rent a record label because this is the pushback. And I don't even, even say pushback. I think it's just more of a conversation that we've had with people, and I invite this conversation because I like the education piece of it. Right? Yes, we are asking artists to pay us. Right? Just flat out, and I don't have any reservations about that because you keep everything. Right. You pay us, but then we use 75 percent of that budget towards your career and then everything you make off of that you own rather than a record label who gives you an advance. And that's a loan. And then on top of the loan that you owe them back, you then give them ownership of your music for forever. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you think about the trade off, the trade off is, yes, you give a little right now, but we're investing it into your business the right way. So I think about it as like an incubator program for artists, just like you would for any kind of startup business 
we're doing the same thing. We're doing an audit. You don't have a website. You don't have a business like an LLC. You don't have a bank account. All these things that we're going to do with Spotify don't matter if you don't have this right. Yeah. Those are all the things you that know? probably kill the creative process. Like if you're in a creative mood and you're thinking about, oh shit, all this paperwork for setting they up an LLC. don't want to do it. Yeah. So that's why, that's why we're here. <laughs> Pay yeah. us. We got you. You know? Yeah. All right. <laughs> ra- random question. I noticed on your YouTube channel, you posted one video mm-hmm. explaining what you're all about. Sure. You have 1,500 subscribers on your YouTube channel. Yeah, man. All right, and this is like close to the here because we're trying to build our YouTube channel. Sure. You can't turn on monetization on YouTube unless you have four thousand listening hours in the past, I think, twelve months, right. and a thousand or more subscribers. I'm trying to, to your get YouTube those channel. hours, bro. Yeah. So, how did you get those subscribers? Like, what ads. are some strategies? Ads. Just, yeah, it was ads. It, it literally, I hyper focused in on DJ Khaled's fans, okay. legit, because I knew that. What was the similarity between me and everybody else is that I don't make music, but I have artists that I can help me put out songs. I put out songs on their behalf because I can get them eyes or whatever, right? Yeah. So they send me the songs, we put them together, I put them out kind of like a DJ Khaled. So that was the drive for that. I thought that without me having to explain it, if people are going to watch this video, who would like it? And so I just tried to see if that would work and it did. Not only that, the artists that were on those songs have a really good fan base. So yep. that's that's another thing too. And it was a YouTube fan base. I didn't get that love on Instagram. It was definitely a YouTube fan base. They, they Even in the comments, you can see like, hey, I found you from this artist you know, profile. I can't wait for y'all to come out with more music. And so now that I'm thinking about it, I probably shouldn't have waited so long because these subscribers I have, have been waiting for like six months mm-hmm. for something else. Right. So I have to reactivate that. And yeah, it was more of just it it was more kind of luck, man. You know what I mean? Like it was like it was positioning and I knew what I was trying to do, but it only worked on one channel, you know, and it did work on YouTube for me. But I don't get the watch hours because people subscribed thinking that I was coming out with stuff, I think, quicker than what I have. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Well, get at us. We can help you with that problem. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, man. So I would love to. I would okay. love to. All right. Let's 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 talk about Austin for a second. I don't know about you, but I've seen way more California, New York, New Jersey plates since March hit. Yeah. You know, even before COVID, tons of people are moving here. Do you see that influx of people to Austin as good for the music scene, the creative scene in Austin? Or are you kind of not as keen on it? Um, kind of both. There's a there's a double edged sword with that as well. Just because like they're taking all our venues away just because they want to live downtown, which is crazy to me. Like you move to the music city and then you know you complain about the sound of the venue that you move next to, mm-hmm. right? Like the venue was there way before you. But at the same time, the reason why I feel like Austin hasn't become this mecca like everything else is because we didn't have that like we don't have any professional sports teams like like you go to atlanta you go to miami you go to la all these things exist and you can have that one player who never got off the bench but he can come spend twenty thousand in the club mm-hmm. that changes your economy in your city you know <laughs> what i mean and so the opportunities that happen the type of brands that are around the type of eyes that people see the network that people have right like I invite all of that. I just hope that they don't take it and try to change it to whatever they think it should be. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I feel like Austin has a unique culture that just needs to be built and on top of rather than like changed. Yeah. Do you think Austin's still a good place for artists to live? I think it's perfect right now. If you're looking future. If you're looking for like right now, I need to get something happen, go to LA, go to those places. But I think it's prime. Like Elon's here. Like a lot of companies are moving here. And I think that's just begs that they're going to need creative or some type of things to go along with these, some kind of infrastructure. And so I think artists have a really good, like, BMIs here now. Like, there's a lot of things that are coming here. And I think that if you're here early, you can get the relationships that you need because these people have the relationships with the people in other cities. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Okay. 
pre-COVID or now, what's mm-hmm. your what's your favorite music venue in Austin? Where, oh, where do you like man. to see a show the most? Ooh, I love. I would have to say Stubbs. If we're talking overall, it's only because everybody's standing. It's a big mosh pit. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I love Stubbs for that reason. So no matter how big it is, you know, it's like. But at the same time, they're very professional. You can get killer food, drinks, all that kind of stuff. The environment's good. They have a VIP. I would say Stubbs, man, for if it was hard on everything. Yep. What are top three bands in Austin? that anyone listening to this podcast has to listen to right now? The Ooh, hot, three hottest bands. All right, dude. Damn, that's hard. Okay, let me think. I'm going to say, oh, shit. That's hard, dude. You know I'm going to get DMs about this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you didn't call me up? Let me say, I think Abby the Nomad is hot right now. It's a rapper. I would say, for, I have to put Bronzewell in there just because they're just on top of it. They have this crazy Australian fan base that's like brewing right now. It's insane so i'm curious to see what they're going to do with that their top five cities are like australia browns Wales, yeah yeah and then oh man i gotta be good with this third one you listen to bronzewell you gotta listen to abby malat if you're looking at the singer m-e-l-a-t yes yep malat is i think she's super slept on she's verified on all social media but as far as austin's concerned I think her voice and content is just so crazy good and i just feel like she get a lot more looks cool sure. Okay, I definitely want to have you on again for sure. in the future. In the meantime, if people want to learn more about Cam the Tastemaker, sure. rent to recordlabel.com, where do you want them to reach you? Please go to my social media. All socials are Cam the T-S-T-M-K-R. Of course, camthetastemaker.com, rent to recordlabel.com. Yeah, holla at us, man. We, we got a team ready to work. Cool, man. Thanks a lot for joining, dude. Thank you, man. It's been great. Thank you so much. All right, later. We live in a world that's kind of crazy right now. Are you adding more to the system than taking from it? I wasn't willing to tell myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to make it work. Come to Austin, just do cool stuff. That's the cover charge.